0: the best way I can kind of make sense for it in my mind, and I hope this resonates with a lot of people is that, you know, 2020 was the injury, you know, it was the, we're going back to sports here, but 2020 was the injury. And I feel like 2021 is the rehab. It's a a step better than being injured because you're starting to work to getting it back. You're starting to worry you're back on the court or you're back in your field and you're doing the drills again, but you're not playing. Yeah. You're not back at that like euphoric state where you're in competition and you're playing, But the rehab section is definitely better than the injury section when you first get injured and you're going through the surgeries and stuff. So to me, 2021 is definitely like the rehab year. Um, And I want to really start working towards a 2020 where or 2022, where I'm back to playing full strength, full competition. The world is open again. We're back at it. But how we go about this rehab process is really going to dictate how well I play in 2022.
1: What's up, everyone? Hello and welcome to a bonus episode of the Modern Mask Ulinity Podcast, a space we designed to help redefine what it means to be a powerful man in the modern era. I'm your co-host, CK. And I'm your co-host, Anwar Ahmed, a.k.a. A Squared. And today, our bonus episode is going to be talking all about the new year, talking about reflecting from 2020 on and what we're taking into the new year. But before we get into that, you know what time it is. Mucho.
0: Hey, yo, Coach Kyle. What's going on, man? Listen, I gotta be honest day? with
1: you. I, I, you know, I felt like I was at a higher level than you. We did not Sinatra that. I don't know what's going on in that end. I was coming in with the low vibrato. Uh, I wanted to carry the bottom up. You got can take it. it to the Mariah Carey. There's, there's,
0: there's, there's spaces. You okay. Know, we can't both be fighting for the Mariah, Mariah Carey. If I'm Mariah Carey, who are you? I'm, I'm going for like a low bass, like a more of a deeper sound. Who has a deep, deep voice? Hmm. I'll get back to you on that. Okay, one. all right. You Let's think about that? I'm one.
1: good with Mariah Carey. I'm going to take yeah, that. Yeah, you go up. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm, yeah.
2: <laughs> I'm more of like
1: that. Uh, oh. Yeah, yeah. We talked about this with that late night radio show. Yeah, oh, thing. I'm definitely way more of a late night. My late night voices. <laughs> Uh, I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm good. It's been a powerful week. It is January. So a lot is happening this month. You can definitely feel the pressure of the new year coming in hot these days. And there's a lot going on, but I feel really good about it. I feel like it's good pressure, even though it's a little tiring sometimes. I feel like it's good. It's motivational. It's moving me in directions, Mm -hmm. which is powerful. And uh, it's making me feel ready to go every day. You know, Definitely. I feel physically tired sometimes, a little mentally tired, but that happens. But I just feel like through those moments, even in those moments, I still feel ready to go.
0: And 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 it's the winter stuff too, right? Like the winter really hits. Um, in January, I feel for me, like the December, you're so high on like the season and the, you know, the holidays. January is kind of when you feel it all. I feel like you're motivated because you're going to tackle a new year, but it's also peak winter. The days are short um, all the, the new year fun is gone. The holidays are fun. And it just kind of looks like we have a little bit of, um, some adversity to fight through really early. And so I feel like all of that kind of can also weigh on you and add a little extra pressure, but, mm-hmm. um, pressure is good if you look at it in the right way.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think we could use a little bit more sun, you know, definitely this January. I feel like it could be a little bit brighter for us, but you win some, you lose some, when it comes out, are you ever grateful? It, and in Toronto,
0: I mean, thank you, Mother Nature. You've given us some good days. Very true. We've been seeing we've been seeing some nice sunsets. We've been seeing some nice sunrises. So can't fully complain. I think we've had a very mild winter. I think there's probably people in my hometown, Winnipeg, being like, "Quiet. Mm. <laughs> I don't want to hear from you." But <laughs> um, but no, we've had some, We've had a great winter. I think it's just just the overall time of year doesn't necessarily have to be how cold it actually is outside. I think like we just associate the winter with you know a little bit of a gloom and doom type of true. Um, grit mentality but
1: so what's your mood like today how you feeling today I feel good
0: today um, there is definitely I like this is I dedicate I did de- I predicate a lot of who I am on what we're talking about today so I'm excited about this podcast like reflection and self-correcting and moving forward is like my bread and butter in life I feel like goal setting and you know being able to reflect on my life and be able to be analytical about what I've done and what I want to do moving forward is I feel like I put a lot of um uh what's the word I'm looking for a lot of like my spirit is in that and a lot of my successes come from that so I'm really passionate about that space and so I'm really excited about talking about it
1: and uh, this is definitely a topic that I love beautiful Love that. All right, guys. So we're going to dive hot right into this episode. Like we mentioned, we're going to be talking about reflecting on 2020, how we reflected, if we reflected, our goals for this year in 2021, and some things that we learned from that heck of a year in 2020. So naturally, I think everybody has their biggest challenges and struggles from 2020. It was a powerful year. It was exhausting. It was hectic. And... Everybody has their own kind of story, even though there was one revolving challenge, naturally being COVID and lockdowns and quarantine and things like that. What was your biggest struggle? What was the thing that you struggled with the most or the challenge that you were faced with the most in that year? Let's do this. 2020. You were not
0: nice. <laughs> you were not nice, and you taught us a lot of lessons in a very abrupt way. Um, I think that that was kind of the biggest thing was that it's not that the lessons that we learned weren't valuable because I think you might not see it right now. You might see it in a little bit. Um, you might see it in a couple of years. But the lessons that we've learned from 2020 are gonna be they're long lasting. I know that they have gonna they're gonna leave an imprint on people's life. Um, but it was like you know when you have to learn a lesson through someone that you're like, Oh, could you have said it nicer? Or like, could you have like done it like a little bit more discreet or helped me through it? I felt like 2020 was like, not very compassionate with how Mm. it was teaching you the lesson. It was like, it's that maybe that parent that like, you know, you don't want to get in trouble by or that teacher or the person that you don't want to hear it from. I felt like 2020 was that kind of lesson teacher. You know, it was like, listen, I don't care about how you feel about what's going on. You're going to listen. I mean, you're going to figure it out. And that's kind of how it felt at first too, was there was a lot of control that got taken away really early, like really fast. You know, my biggest challenge definitely was like, I must, uh, I've learned my introverted side. I'm naturally an extrovert. So I get a lot of my energy from people. Um, and so closing off to the world was tough for me. Um, I had to tap into different energy sources that I never had to really do before because, For me, it was if you go through a couple um, rough days, it's easy. Go have a dinner with someone that you like, get the conversations going again, feel somebody else's energy, whether you give the energy to that person or they give you energy. But that is where I collect a lot of my vibration from. And so that channel was closed Mm -hmm. for like... And like we're wearing masks and stuff. Like You can't even get a simple smile off of somebody. You can't even get those little interactions. Um, And it's... That was really tough. The other thing was um, I was faced with like, what are my vices? You know, when everything kind of locked down. I had to focus on like, okay, well, what am I going to do to recharge now? I can't talk to people. I can't go to the gym. That was my other advice that I used to kind of keep myself balanced. Um, I can't go play basketball. That was another one of my vices where there's only so many places I can go to like escape from my problems and escape from the thinking and they were all gone. And so I had to really get to the, like, go back to the drawing board and think like, how am I going to, not let myself go down that path mm. and find other ways to find energy and get excited. So my roommate would, would attest. I think I FaceTime somebody every day for like, <laughs> and every hour for the, <laughs> like the first bit was, I don't think I took my, turned my phone off. Everyone, there's just probably people out there. I house partied a lot in the beginning. Nice. I think a lot of us were kind of on that wave. So house partying, a lot of FaceTiming. And so I was trying to, um, like rec- like try to find different ways to be social. But those are, I would say the two biggest things was, I was faced with like, okay, all your vices are gone. What are you going to do? Um, and my main energy source was gone. So mm. I felt like I was running on very low battery and I didn't know how to charge it. Um, so 2020 made me really have to think about like, okay. And that's when I found like, oh damn, a 10 minute walk is pretty peaceful. Hey. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: uh, or you just find these little things that you never thought you could get energy from or like you could appreciate um, sitting down and writing something down or Taking an hour to just be creative and just think about something or taking an hour instead of like trying to find a way to pay someone to do something, do it yourself. Um, t- tackling goals that I blame time for, you know, I always said I wanted to be I wanted to be able to cook a couple dishes that I'm proud of that when guests come over, I can like whip it up and they can, they can remember that dish but I always made excuses that like I didn't have the time to do that or I didn't have the time to learn how to do this. And the perfect combination between TikTok making every lesson so easy and time together makes a lot of different habits that you can learn. And so I was just finding different places to get energy from. And it's like, okay, well, there's so many different versions of basketball. Will always be my first love. And the thing that I think will always be the thing that lets me disconnect. I don't think about stuff when I play basketball. And there's nothing that gives me that. I think people maybe have get that in instruments and other, I get it from there but I can find other things that are close. Maybe I don't completely disappear, but um, it takes my brain off of the work and the life for a bit. Mm. Um, so it made me have to explore different hobbies and stuff like that. But mm. it's a long-winded answer there. But what do you think your uh, biggest challenge was? Uh, what was something that you were you were faced with that maybe you weren't ready for or you were confronted with and you were like, whew, I wasn't prepared for that
1: challenge, but here we go. Mm. Well, first and foremost, I don't think that was a long-winded answer. I think that was perfect because mm. I think that if we – had the time we could probably talk about the year in itself for like a week straight. We could make multiple episodes about that because of how much happened in that year and what changed for us and who we lost and what we lost and all of the transitions that ended up happening was just constantly shifting. There was the only really constant was the lockdown. That was really the only major constant. And so it was just a lot to take in for me. I walked into the year heartbroken uh, with an unexpected ending to my relationship. So in January, February, and March before Canada officially kind of went into their lockdowns and quarantines, I had already felt more lonely than I could have. And so in a way, I actually felt like I was almost prepared for a lockdown because I'd already been feeling that way. And so my biggest challenge was trying to decipher what do I do now that I don't have work as my distraction? Cause I had to face that for three months and I used work and I spent a lot of time there. And luckily I was very focused in those three months to better myself and to become a better human, become a better man, started this journey right now that we're on today. But it was the loneliness, I think overall, not even just those three months. Obviously that helped, um, fuel the fire for sure, but it was the loneliness and something else I wrote down for this episode was spending holidays alone. Mm. I think that was a huge one. And I know a lot of people can attest to that is you're mentally prepared in a way for the day to arrive. So, um, for example, like Christmas and new years were, were evenings and days that I spent by myself and you prepare for that and you're like oh it's okay it's technically just another day and you're good with that but then it's something about the day arriving and it being the day changes and so that's where like the whole preparation helped because it could have been way worse but it was still challenging in those days to battle that those thoughts and to feel like in those moments it's okay to be alone you know like having that concept of independence and having that concept of you know, loving yourself fully, it's still challenging because we're wired for connection. And mm-hmm. so that's one of the reasons why you mentioned you were on FaceTime all the time and house mm-hmm. party all the time is because we still crave that, that attention and we crave that connection and we crave that involvement in people's lives and theirs and ours. And so those I think were two of the biggest challenges, but essentially they were kind of one in the same. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was a long year for sure. Long year for sure. In that context,
0: you know what? Like when you were talking there, something kind of flashed, you know, before my eyes too, is the, when you're in those moments of like, it's Christmas day and it's different. Um, and you're mentally prepared for it, but you, when you're in the day, it's just different. It's so different and it catches you off guard. But the crazy part about it is it's the next day. Right. Cause when I, when you ask another person, oh, "How was your Christmas?", mm-hmm. the answers they gave you is not far-fetched, but that's how I know 2020 affected people because the answers you get are what's really beautiful about it. Someone will be like, "Oh, you know, it was. I had a great conversation with my mother. I was able to do this and that, and what like." You do gratitude. I know you write, you write gratitude journals, I right? I so yes. In the beginning of those gratitude journals, it's very, very like, I'm hap- I'm, I'm having the roof over my head. I'm yes. happy. It's very simple, right? I feel like 2020s forced us to get past those first three lines that we write down that we're so used to writing down. Mm-hmm. And now you're so able to accept like a, a great conversation. <laughs> yeah. And you see it because now you're being asked, how was your Christmas? And Christmas was nothing, but you have to find an answer. So your brain has to now work and think of something that's maybe like simple or something that you
1: felt good about and you're like oh my mom sent me a card right and you're like it was the best thing i've ever received that's kind of how you started to think about it yeah (laughs) you know what i mean and that's the thing the beauty of it is like it's forced us to really get simple about the things that we're
0: grateful for because would we have ever appreciated that conversation when would we have appreciated that conversation when it's too late Mm mm-hmm you know, something that came up for me too there was that, you know, I didn't, I didn't bring it up, but I think it's, it's, it's a huge part of the lesson that I learned was I hadn't ever had to face death that in my face before 2020. I felt, I actually understood the concept of death mm-hmm. because my idol passed away mm-hmm. followed by the black Panther mm-hmm. followed mm-hmm. by George, George Floyd and a bunch of other, you know, black men in, in America, which was in our faces, mm-hmm. like just and and black women, absolutely and black women, um, And then additionally to that, all the people that were dying from COVID, it was just, I felt like we were taking life for granted almost, you know, it's, we're in this lockdown and I was so consumed by death and close death. Like I felt like when Kobe Bryant died, it hit me like hard, you know, like I felt like that was a family member of mine that died. Mm -hmm. So for me it really not only made me look at life for the simple things and the beauty of it, but it made me start to live it a lot more full because on one side it was all stripped down and it was became super basic. And then the other side, it was, it was showing to me on how easily it can be taken away. And so that, that storm really, really created some perspective for me that I thought, wow, Mm -hmm. I got to start. I got to start really living this, this life to its fullest. And like, that's a beautiful apple. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, seriously. like that's a nice apple or that's a,
1: the, it's, the sun is shining this morning or um... mm-hmm. and I like the concept of like the stripping away. It was like it stripped away everything and then it almost presented you with continuous different ways of looking at things and you know, as tragic as those deaths were and the will hurt for a very long time, they definitely gave this higher emphasis on what, value you place on your own life and what value you place on other people's lives and how high you hold that in regard for yourself and that value. And there wasn't really much else of a choice to other than to think, okay, well, I don't want that to be my family member or to be me or to have to come across that anymore. I value life now because these people are passing away. We had to have like everything stripped away. And I think if the world was still hustling and bustling and these things happened, the perspective towards those wouldn't have been been as impactful or as strong or as emotional or as powerful as they were because it was meant to teach us a lesson in how we view our lives but everything that we thought was important had to be stripped away first in order for our eyes to truly open.
0: Well said. Yeah. This life is definitely a lot more fragile than we thought and we're seeing that now.
1: Absolutely, wow. absolutely. So with the year, then obviously we have a lot to talk about and we could continue to talk about what happened in that year for the longest of times. But what is kind of like your perspective on the year? You know, like if you were to look back, like how do you, do you view it as a good year, a bad year, a healthy year, um, a challenge? Like, let's say it's five years from now and you, someone says, what was 2020 like? What would be like the first word that comes to mind?
0: so you so you want me to summarize 2020's perspective into a word <laughs> okay um i think if i had to think of one word i can think of many but i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna live and die on the sword of empathy mm. and the word I, the reason why i'm gonna pick empathy is not just particularly empathy in terms of just overall being empathetic to COVID and the world that whole but some of us didn't agree with 100 with what we had to do in terms of the lockdown but we empathize with the, the mass and we're like wearing masks. For example, you might've said I'm asymptomatic and I don't need to wear a mask and, but you wear the mask because you don't want to be the person who spreads. So you're being empathetic in that, in that energy being mm-hmm. empathetic to someone who might be dealing with the pandemic better than you. Um, but not taking it in a way of like, Oh, like the lockdown for me is great. I love the lockdown and someone else who's been going through it during the lockdown. And being empathetic to them, being empathetic to yourself, being empathetic to your thoughts. Like I think that the whole thing was—it was bigger than just yourself. It's the word empathy, kind of to me, it kind of sprouted out into the whole entire to the society, to your friends, to your family. If if you were struggling with that word before, you had to find it quickly mm. because there was so much empathy that needed to be deployed in order to find success in this journey of the lockdown of so many people going through different versions of people losing their jobs, right? And just even the way you communicated, I thought that even. A lot of people were very empathetic to their communication style. If you had your job and someone else lied, like, people weren't braggadocious at all. You know, they were like, oh, I'm sorry that you lost your job. And, you know, they were empathetic to not being in your face about it. Or I just thought that the world showed a great effort of being empathetic. And I think that that was the one word that for sure sticks out in terms of what has helped us move forward through this pandemic is just having a lot of empathy for each other, uh, empathy for, um, the government officials who are trying their best to make the right calls. And we might've not agreed with a lot of the calls, the business, the business owners saying, Hey, why do we have to close our doors? Why this company? Why not this company? But nothing gets moved forward if there isn't like that empathetic line. Cause that's the only way you can answer. I felt like all the decisions that were being made, is just being empathetic and trusting that they know what they're saying. Um, so that would be my one word. What would be yours? Mm. Well,
1: before I move on, I want to attach to something that you mentioned. I like the concept that you were talking about empathy. And then you brought up the word braggadocious. And I think from my context of how I view life is that to latch on to one thing you said, you said people weren't bragging about, you know, it being the best time of their life, something along those lines. Mm-hmm. And I think that what I value in that space in regards
0: somewhere also, but like the majority the masses, right?
1: And so what I think to be true is, is this is kind of where I stand is it doesn't matter what's going on around you. And it doesn't matter necessarily, um, exactly how necessarily other people are feeling. I'll explain is you should never dim your light if you are in a bright spot for the benefit of things around you, but there is a level of braggadociousness like you mentioned where I'm not, you're saying you were having a bad time and I'm over here being like, Oh, I'm killing it. Like in almost in a judgmental way, like I'm killing it. Why aren't you? I'm doing well. Why aren't you? I think in that space, from my perspective, it's important to still feel your light and to embrace that light. And if you're doing well and you're enjoying your time to not feel guilty for that as if you shouldn't be, because it's a challenging time, But that also, on the contrary, doesn't mean that you can't support or empathize with people who aren't that because they're living as best as they can. It reminds me of a quote that says, you don't have to do anything you don't want to do. Just make sure you give other people that choice too. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, So that whole concept of empathy comes in in that space. It's like, I'm empathetic to your situation. I understand in a way that it's challenging and I'm here for you if you need it. But on my end, I don't need to necessarily brag about it, but I'm feeling, I'm feeling amazing. Like I, I'm actually really enjoying this. And that's the challenge I faced in this year was that I actually had a really great year. I had a really great year. I have had challenges and I had my ups and downs, but on a general scale, I absolutely loved 2020. And I'm not going to hold back from saying that because that doesn't make any sense to please others. It doesn't make sense because then I'm lying and I'm manipulating the way people think about myself and my year. But if I'm not going to go out of my way to necessarily brag about it or be overly proud about it, like I was better than other people in that space because it was a challenging year Mm -hmm. and I still had my challenges. You know, so I think I like the concept of empathy coming through, but I also like the balance of like, you don't need to brag about that. Yeah. Right. And just to kind of like, you know,
0: follow that up. It was, you just even heard it in the way people kind of spoke. Like if someone's still had their job, they would almost say it in the way of like, I, I've been very fortunate that my job is still going. I've been very lucky that like my, my industry didn't get really hard. Right. Right. Instead of what we may have usually have done before is that like, yeah, I'm killing it at my job. And like, it's just there was a there was a little barrier that you couldn't you couldn't not read the room before you spoke. Mm -hmm. And it was a conscious empathy that was going on in people's minds. You couldn't just show up to someone. Even if you saw someone that you were friends with on the street and they're wearing a mask and you're wearing a mask, you would not just go up to them and just start like spewing your positivity. You go up to them and first be like, hey, how you been? Mm -hmm. Are you good? We lost the concept of, are you good? Mm-hmm. We lost that. We stopped checking in on each other long time ago. And the pandemic just forced us all to, regardless of whether you could have been having the best day ever. If you ran into anybody, you had to think for one second, I got to ask this person how they're doing first. Right. How the hell are they? And that power of empathy that just got injected back into society to me is like, if I had to pick one word, that was the word that we needed. That was the word that we were missing. And it's here now. Mm-hmm. People don't just rub their stuff in front of you before asking how you're doing. Or, and even when they get how you're doing, they're conscious of how they display their goodness. Right? They're very much like, oh, I'm so sorry that that happened to you. Like, and then if they wanted to talk about themselves, they'd be like, You know what? I've been really fortunate. I've been really lucky that I still kept my job and um, I I kind of pivoted and I was doing this. And we've been really fortunate that, you know, my parents live in the same city. So we like got rid of the condo and we went here. And Everything is we were really fortunate and we're really lucky and we're really, you know, which is to me like the beginning of like starting to thank the universe for some of the stuff that you have versus thinking that you created all of this. Like as if Mm -hmm. like everything happening to you was man-made and you did this. Like a lot of the universe is working for you too. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people who weren't subscribing to that earlier have now finally clued in that, oh, other things are going on.
1: Absolutely. Here. Um, and so to answer your question, then my if I were to look back and say a word that comes up um, without overthinking it, I think the biggest word that comes up is love. Nice. I had words going into that year that I was focusing on already. It was commitment and integrity. And I lived through those words through the year, but something that I learned over the course of the year was I've always highly valued love. I love love. And then what I found in that year was that in direct relation to the empathy space is it really forced us to start loving more and not in a relationship context because that was obviously something that was very challenging for a lot of people in that year. It was just in general. You started to have to love your neighbors and love the people you walk by. And a lot comes with the concept of love and how to treat people, right? Because when you love them, you don't treat them a lot with disrespect or disregard necessarily. And, you know, I think about the big changes and shifts that we had with The Black Lives Matter movement, I think for me, that's a huge component of the year that we haven't addressed yet. And that was really the piece where it's like, this is where love is needed so much. And so to bring the year into a close, I think that love is really what I took from that year is to just start loving everything and everyone and the value behind that and what that could bring to our world and to our own personal lives. If I were to love you more and love, you know, Chris sitting over here more and love my coffee more and love nature more and love my job more. It kind of comes across a little bit like gratitude. But if I say I love it, then how do I treat it? Mm-hmm. And so I really felt like that came through, which stems into my, you know, word of the year that we'll get to. So
0: so what, it, what would you say then just kind of? giving you a little bit of pushback playing devil's advocate. What if you don't love your job?
1: I think the pandemic forced you to find ways to be grateful for it. So you Mm -hmm. began to start to love it in a way
0: or pivot. It really probably might might have showed you that, you know, this is the time where if you're loving everything else, you're loving the coffee, you're loving the nature, and you're trying to move into a life where you love the things that you do. And the thing that you do for eight hours is something that you don't love then maybe it's time to take the time to pivot.
1: And that's that's exactly it. And it also makes you think about what do you love the most? And mm-hmm. what do you have uh, a higher level of care for? And is it what you do or is it yourself and your life and what surrounds you? And like you said, if you're going to be forced to pivot, pivot like I did, uh, in the process of this year, I did leave that job because I started to realize how much value it was placing on something outside of me and how much I was decreasing my own value, which means I didn't love myself enough. And that was a problem and that wasn't going well. So I had to make a decision to pivot into different areas to figure out what that looked like and to start loving myself a hell of a lot more. Mm-hmm.
0: It's not to you know, stress anybody out who is in a job that you know, maybe they don't love right now. And pivoting isn't an easy thing. I think it's a journey. Um, it's, but the first step is identifying that maybe you don't um, enjoy fully what you do. And so now you can kind of start putting the building blocks in play of, okay, what do I need to get to in terms of security in order to kind of make that move to the next thing and uh, to start consciously thinking about it? Um, because the time that we have right now is the biggest asset. Uh, I think that we've learned that money, skills, all those things, the thing that's more precious in all those things is time. Um, and that's been given back to us for a majority of us. So I'm um, utilizing that time to, to, to figure things out. Mm-hmm. But, um Another thing that kind of secretly kind of came up for me, I wasn't expecting, uh, perspective I wasn't pers- expecting to, to find during this pandemic was, I had a really amazing conversation with my mom, and we were just talking about life, and I'm a first generation um, Canadian, so I have immigrant parents, and with the whole Black Lives Matter thing and all of that stuff, uh, I think that we were all learning about history, um, and for some of us, it felt like we were living history too, uh, with this pandemic and everything that we were watching happen. But it was the first time, I think, as a first, maybe the second time. I think there was another time where I felt this, and I won't use that example right now because it's not relevant. But this is the second time where I got to feel what having no choice feels like, which made my life with my mom and my, 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 any immigrant a lot more relatable.
1: What do you mean no choice?
0: You have to stay home. Mm. You don't get to leave no more. Got it. Like, you have to stay in your shoebox. You have to wear a mask. I don't think our, our generation's ever dealt with, you have to do this, you have to do that. Where my parents, that's all they did. They moved with, we have to move this, we have to do that. We, we can't use this washroom because it's for white people. And this washroom is for black people. We can't live in this country because it's for war. We have to move here. We have to do that. We have to do this. Like their whole life was predicated, you have to marry this person. They they had very little choice in their life and they just made the best decision that they thought for their family. And what they did is they gave us all the choice back. But we could never see them for what they really were because we never understood how much choice was sacrificed for our lives. But Q2020, now if you can't see your parents struggle more clearly now, because things have been taken away from you. Life hasn't been perfect anymore. We had to stay home. We had to wear a mask. You couldn't go do the things that you wanted to do. We got a little bit of choice taken away. Think, And I just had me thinking, think about how much choice was taken away from my parents. Mm-hmm. For me to have these many choices. And we'll bounce back from this. We'll be able to get back into a world of choice. But that little bit of window it opened up for me to see my mom more clearly. To see immigrants more clearly. I am ever grateful for that because you, you can't ever learn what sacrificing your whole entire youth for your family, your future family is like, we're just trying to think of one year to the next, one month to the next. We get mad if we have to go to this coffee shop versus that coffee shop, but you get to go to a coffee shop. So I feel like that was something I wasn't prepared for. Um, and there was another other time in my life where I got faced with that kind of realization of um, how my parents what they fought for for me to have all these choices and have all these opportunities. And I think that the pandemic really painted a beautiful picture for me of like, Oh, this is what it feels like to live multiple months back to back to back to back with not much choice.
1: And they probably did it for years. Oh my, like not months, (laughs) years, good years, good years, your twenties, your thirties, the time where you want choice more than anything.
0: Great years. They gave
1: up. Wow. Powerful. That's a great shift. I mean, the, definitely the value in different things came through this year for sure, but I didn't even really consider that obviously being from, um, what I would consider my very privileged life and privileged family. Um, that's not something that would come up. So i I actually really appreciate that you share that because not only does it support yourself in that realization, but it also supports myself in seeing that and understanding that and bringing that concept of choice into the equation and knowing what that means and knowing what the value is behind that. Cause it's, we do, we have an immense amount of choice and we will again in the future and it'll be just as big as it was before. But do you value that? Are you taking advantage of that? Because it's something to be very grateful for. So with that all being said, to kind of look back at the year, did you take time to reflect on the year? And what I mean by that is, did you really intentionally take that time? Was it something that processed over time? Obviously we know that New Year's resolutions are huge. We know that even though it's still a pandemic, we're still trying to set them, set intentions and goals for 2021. Did you reflect on 2020 at any point? And how did you really?
0: You know what? I actually I didn't reflect on 2020. Um and what I usually I usually will like there's two times of years where I reflect. My birthday, because I can always remember that very clearly, and New Year's. I can always remember those two points very clearly, where I was and how many months went by. Um, usually, the rest of the months are kind of blurs. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm in a business role now where we work in quarters, so mm-hmm. it's very. I, I see the life it's in different. these three-month chunks, which is I like that now. It's, it gives me a little bit more clarity of what I'm doing and executing in a three-month period, but I didn't reflect, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why. The reason why I didn't reflect is I thought that 2020 was a whole year of reflection every day was reflecting. Um, Where usually you're living life through a blur and then you need to reflect on the blur. I thought life stopped. Like for me, life stopped and it was like every day became this methodical thinking process. So it was like we were working through all these small different details, all these little pivots, all these. And we were able to digest a lot. Um, A friend of mine asked me, how's my my job going? Um, And I started a new job pretty much in a pandemic. But one of the blessings of the pandemic is or well, for me in my work life was I got to digest the job slower instead of digesting it in a fast pace. So like I got to learn it in a very understandable, digestible way because life wasn't moving at hundred miles an hour. I felt like we weren't on the highway. We were like in residential streets. We we're going 60 instead of hundred. And I felt the same about life. I felt like I could think of my, I could think about day to day, week to week, a lot more clear because there wasn't that many things going on. So I felt a little bit like on top of my thinking and I felt a little bit on top of my reflection, which is a space that i never really found myself in. Usually life's moving way too fast and I need those points in the year to kind of slow it down and be like, what just happened? Last year, however, um, my best friend Amir, he, he had this idea because we just finished a decade. So he wrote down 100 things in the decade. So from 2010 to twenty twenty. This was when it was a 2020 year. He said he sat down, he was in Sydney. um, And then he texted our group chat and he went, hey, I want you guys to all try this. It was an incredible exercise. I just reflected on the decade. And I wrote a hundred things from the decade that I loved. Um, And it was so powerful and I loved it. And he made our whole group do it. And we're like, okay, sweet. And that's the kind of group that we have is that, you know, one guy thinks of something cool. He doesn't just hold it to himself. He gives it to the And If you do it or not, it's up to you, but it's on the table. I think a lot of us enjoyed that and we did it. What I found though, is who our memory is faulty. (laughs) Our memory is faulty. Oh man. I could like, there were certain years I couldn't, I could recall like one thing in a 12 month period, like 2020, I'm like 2011. What the heck was I doing? And then I found myself going back to Instagram and trying to find the year, just trying to find a visual. So I could be like, Oh, I was doing that or whatever the case may be. And so I'm, What I'm mad about myself is that from that experience, I was like, I need to document my life a bit more clearly. And that's when I started seeking out like, okay, I'm going to get into journaling. I'm going to get into, but it was the beginning of the habits. And I was starting, I'm making a lot of excuses right now on the mic, but I was making a lot of (laughs) self-awareness. Yeah. These are, these are, these are the kind of things that we tell ourselves. Right. And then you get to a point where you, you need it and you're like, ah, that's why I wanted to journal. Um, I, I was disappointed because I wanted to write it all down. For 2020 so that like when I do my next decade, I'm not so like lost about it, but I didn't end up getting to do that. Um, But definitely something that I think would have that I usually do and I want to continue to do is continue to take photographs. Photographs are really good for me. Photographs really help. So I love taking a lot of pictures. So going through my camera roll really gives me perspective on where I'm at and what I'm doing. Yep. Um, But the day to day stuff gets lost easily. Like that decade write script was one of the hardest things I've ever done. And I was super frustrated doing it because in that decade, I traveled for three years. I I saw a bunch of different countries. I lived in in Australia. So many memories. I I played college basketball. Uh, I got a degree. Like I did so many things. And it's like. It's like looking at a puzzle that's just like all over the place and I have no idea how to put it together. That's, like,
1: that's so interesting. So what I'm hearing then, which I think there's a contrast and you know, maybe slightly hypocritical, is you're so worried about the memory and the focus, but then you haven't chosen to reflect on 2020. So what, what, what mindset's there then? Well, the reason why I haven't
0: reflected is because I felt like 2020 wasn't moving that fast. I could look at 2020 and I can tell you what March felt like. I could tell you what April feels like. I could tell you what May feels like. It was so slow. There was like 10 things going on. Like it wasn't hard. But during that decade, I did so much that I wasn't ever in the seat. I was like moving
2: Hmm.
0: one thing to the next. Like you're playing college ball, then you're doing this. And now you're traveling and you're getting a degree and you're meeting that person. You're meeting Mm. that person. It was moving so fast. I could tell you, I could maybe walk you through March thirteenth. We got locked down. March fourteenth. I was upset and sat in my room and watched movies right. all day. March fifteenth. Like you know what I mean. Like there wasn't much going on, so I felt like the <laughs> reflection period was easy. I could just think about every single day. Like it was like oh.
1: So what about in twenty thirty then? What about that decade? Do you feel like you're going to have that same memory?
0: I think well twenty twenty is ingrained in my brain. I don't think right. I'm ever going to forget it. Fair. It was so like I don't think.
1: But you're the one who just said your fa- our memories are faulty. You still want to write it down. So I'm challenging you on your own words. That's all.
0: I'm just saying you still want to write it down. I just think that not much happened in 2020.
1: Got it. So
0: like when I go back, so in 2030, when I rewrite my decade, 2020 is going to be easy for me to memorize and write because mm. there's not much that went down. I started a podcast. I had a, I, had a, I had a career that I was at the beginning at. I spent six weeks in Winnipeg with my, with my boys and had a good time. And I was locked in my room for four months. That's the whole year. Hmm. But what you miss is the lessons that you that you learn mm-hmm. or the little things that and those are the things that your brain sometimes doesn't understand that you learned from that lesson from that time. Or right. Those are the things that I would say, hey, Anwar, don't just trust your memory that you're going to remember that you learned that lesson in that year. But I can see that you're clear. But those little moments, that's where journaling those gratitude lines and mm-hmm. one emotion after another and writing it and reading it. And now you're going to test to and kind of talk about your breath, mm-hmm. hopefully. Those are the things I want to continue to do because I want to be more conscious of uh, my next decade. I think it's, uh, it's going to be a big one for me. It's, it's my 30s and I feel like it's kind of all of my experience and stuff coming together into a decade mm-hmm. of um, hopefully purpose and intention. So
1: hmm. do you feel like it's too late now that it's January, I don't know, 9th or 10th or whatever date it is to do that reflection? Do you have to learn those lessons or do you feel like you're very conscious of them? Have you had a time to track it? Cause you just mentioned you want to remember those tiny little lessons that we don't want to forget. Do you find that it would be worth your time to still do that maybe today or tomorrow, hypothetically speaking, or are we kind of past that?
0: I, no, I think there's no ever time that is, is past that. I think mm. you, anytime you can sit down and reflect and write some things down by yourself is great.
1: Um, and so there's, there's think, no harm in that. Yeah. I only asked just like, just to push you and to prompt you a little bit to be like, is this something that you value? Cause I don't want you to forget your 2020 lessons either. But then I also recognize a lot of people it's, you know, be getting into the end of January here and, they haven't reflected on 2020 because they do believe it was a waste of the year. But I like what you said about those tiny lessons, but then they're like, well, it's the end of January. It's too late now. Like it's, it's gone. It's almost February. Like, why would I do that now? It doesn't make sense. And so I just wanted to kind of get that perspective because I believe like, I believe what you believe. It's it, there's no wrong time to reflect.
0: No, definitely not. And, and, and be honest with yourself too, right? Like there's a lot of people that are, they've never reflected and they were like, Hey, um, I think that 2020 was slow and that I felt like I processed it correctly, but you've never processed life before, you know like for me and not in that way either yeah not exactly like, like for me it's a little bit more like you know when you're a public speaker and the first time you feel like you need to read off a script and the second time you read it off the script, and by the fifth time you're like, I can do this in my sleep, like I've been reflecting on life like since I was sixteen years old so for reflection isn't new to me and I think that if anything 2020 is one of those things where not only was I able to reflect in a and process things very um in a very simple way I got to embody them right away too so sometimes when you learn a lesson of like like let's say you learned the lesson of delayed gratification but you're learning it in a tornado mm-hmm. you don't have enough time to soak it up like you don't have time to like be it mm-hmm. but for me Delayed gratification was something that I learned in 2020. And then I had four months to process and become that. And now I am that, mm-hmm. you know? So it's, it's, I got time to like inject the, the lessons of 2020, not only reflect on them, but like embody them because I had the time to do that. I had the time to see it, address it, become it. And continue to do it so for me it's I feel like reflection is also when you're forgetting about those little things if you definitely if you haven't got enough time to embody them it's the more so important to write it down because you literally aren't even it yet so you have to see it again and write it again and see it again and write it again and see it again and write it again where I think that 2020 I was able to kind of soak up a lot of the lessons from that year like the empathy that I learned the the lesson of you know how fr- life is so fragile like there's a lot of things I could go back to on a dime um, and and pull out right away um, versus when life is moving quick, you learn a, a lesson from a conversation and it's gone. Um, and those, that's usually why if you look at my phone and my notes, if I have epic conversations with people, like say I hang up the phone with somebody, always nine, to- nine times out of 10, I write my favorite thing from that conversation down to my phone. Mm-hmm. And that's when I say like I'm a reflector, Like that's what I mean by I'm a reflector. I, I, if I hear something or if you're talking to me on the phone and talking to me in anything in life and you say something, sometimes I'll be like, one second. I want to write that down. Or, Ooh, that was sweet. I want to write that down. So that's just naturally the kind of guy I am. So I don't miss those opportunities, but I just want to have it in more of a concrete, like, you're, like, like you have a journal, right? Like you have a journal you write in every single day. So like when you're going back to review, you have a day-by-day process and a month-by-month process that you can reflect on, right? Mm-hmm. Share that a little bit with us. How did you get to that point of writing it down day-by-day? Because day? Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of men are going to struggle with that that trampoline of, I got so many responsibilities I got to take go, take care of. I don't have time for this. Like, um, and I'm like in the middle. I'm committed to taking that step. I've ad- addressed. I think it's valuable. I just need to get the habit in there. Mm-hmm. What was your process of getting that habit? And then what do you think now that you have that habit? How has it allowed you to see your future
1: more clear? It didn't start until my late twenties or late to her twenties was probably with three years or so, maybe four where I started to gratitude journal and it was prompted for me. So it was the ones that you would just buy at chapters or order online that had the prompts in there. And I remember, I think the first one might've been gifted to me and I was starting to write in it, but it was really inconsistent and I really didn't know what I was writing. And it was kind of just a painful process for sure it felt like more of like a task than it did something that was going to provide value and it took quite some time which i'm really happy to kind of share now is that the journaling process is rarely an instant gratification and i think that's where a lot of us go wrong especially as guys we like to go take on a task and complete it now and we want to feel that effect of it and feel that i did something and know that you can see it tangibly. And I think the, the hiccup that we face with journaling is that all you see is writing. And it's hard to place out the high value on some things you wrote on a piece of paper. And so then you have to ask the question, what value is what I just wrote bringing to my life? And you could say, okay, well, I showed gratitude for these three things. But the feeling of gratitude is not there yet. And what ends up happening in that moment, the big positive we don't give credit for is that we're very present when we're thinking that. So when I write down three things I'm grateful for, I'm not anywhere else, but what I'm trying to figure out for those three things. That's, I think the part that we don't quite notice or give credit for because present moment thinking we feel we're always present, which obviously we're not. And then over the course of building this life coaching business and supporting people and supporting myself and knowing that the more I invest into myself, the more I'm going to be able to serve my clients and the people that I'm grateful to work with. I recognize the long-term effect and the delayed gratification that came from this consistent journaling over time, the more you start to let's say just simply express gratitude every day in a month's time, let's say, and you've been consistent with it. Without recognizing it fully, you're going to start to notice you're seeing things in your day you're grateful for that you never used to. And it's going to start to prompt that thought in you all the time, which is why I do it in the night and in the morning. I do it twice because I want my mind to constantly be searching for those things unconsciously and not be looking for things to complain about, to be dramatic about, to be frustrated about. And even if they were to frustrate me, my mind would be like, but I'm still grateful for it because of the lesson that it might be teaching me or something along those lines. And then now being in this position, I am now with 2020 just passing and 21, just 2021, just arriving. I have elevated that entire experience in 2020 where I created my own journal and my own journal prompts to do in the morning and at night. And I did that to find that delayed gratification and To implement something, just a lot more present moment thinking in my day. What I didn't do in 2020, because I'm only just realizing it now is just a deeper reflection within the year. So I'm like you, I didn't, I, well, I'm not like you, but in the sense, like I haven't ever reflected on one single year in my life in the way where it's tangible that I have it, that I could show you. I've done it in my mind and people be like, Oh, look, look back at the year. And I did that when I came to Toronto, I looked back, I wrote it on a board, a white board. And I said, this is great. took a photo. I don't know where that photo is now. Absolutely. Mm. No idea. Um, That board, I obviously erased and started doing new things. So it was a great practice for a very in the moment thing. So what I did this year, what you were talking about is I reflected on every single month throughout the entire year. So January, February, March, I went back and I use all the tools I have. So my gratitude journal, um, my notebook, any work that I did, I have, I have a separate notebook, one for my gratitude and one for my like work. I call it my to-be book and to, to-do book. And then uh, my photos, naturally. And then my Instagram stories. Not my profile necessarily, but my stories, because that's where the most of what I would do in a day would show up. And I reflected and I went into January and I said, okay, what did I do in January? What did I accomplish in January? Um, What did I fail at in January? What great experiences did I have? Um, What were some of the best moments? Some of the challenging moments? Um, And was there anything I overcame? And and I did that for all 12 months. Like I said, this was the first year that I've ever done that. That's dope. To say that that was the longest thing I've ever done in my entire life is an understatement. Take some time. (laughs) And I procrastinated about it for like a week. I knew I should have done it January 1st, January 2nd, January 3rd. I just kept putting it off a part of it. Cause I didn't actually want to reflect. Mm-hmm. I felt like there were moments in 2020 I didn't want to go back into, but what got me into it was knowing the value that I was going to find in the lessons because I had, I'm here now, which means I overcame it. And so there's nothing to deflect, right? There's no, there's nothing to ignore anymore. I'm here and I'm standing. So just look at how you were, you were, Uh, able to continue to still stand is kind of how I saw it. But it took me for each quarter of a year, each three months is kind of how I did it because of how long it took. It probably took me a good two to three hours, a quarter of a year. So times that by four, that's about 12 hours, 12 hours of reflection. Because of how many tools I have. And obviously my social media presence and things like that, it was a lot to look through and it was exhausting and beautiful at the same time the word we've used before in here is brutal right it was brutal for sure but what it taught me is the importance of reflection within the year Mm -hmm. because i i basically said i'm going to deflect this my whole year and pile everything onto my plate at the end of the year and just deal with it then and that is one of the worst things i think i could have done but i wasn't prepared to do this kind of reflection so that's different um And so now my plan in 2021 is to take that journaling concept at the end of the year, that reflection, and do that way more intentionally and way more often. So now I'm going to be doing Sunday night reflections, reflecting on the week and end of month reflections. So on the first of every month, I'm going to reflect the previous month and go through what happened, go through the week, spend half an hour to an hour going through that. So it's very much in my face all the time. And... To continue this long rant about my reflection, I'm adding in things now where I'm checking in with the people closest to me to ask them how I'm showing up, to ask them how well I'm doing, or if I could be doing better to continue to elevate myself instead of just going through the motions of life. 2020 obviously taught us that it's very important to be present and it's very important to live in this moment and I want to make sure that I am continuing to be the best person I can be not just for myself but for others so if I can utilize the support for other people I will do that and so I do that every week Um, for the people that I'm not super close with but still talk to I'm going to do at the end of the month and just reach out and say hey how do you think our relationship went this year or I mean this month sorry could it have been better is there anything you expected of me that i didn't uphold on just going through these questions to really amplify the concept of no longer being a human doing because we're not called human doings just really embrace the concept of human being and decipher who can i be how can i be better and how can i show up better No, oh, that's
0: great i think that's goals to be honest there's so many things that you said there that you know there there it's what i've thought about in terms of when i think about journals and this ability to be able to reflect and see a day clearly and it's written or see a month clearly mm-hmm. and it's written um for me one of the big things in this this next decade for me is i just want to be able to say you have a great 2021 and midway through 2022 it's not going so good the ability to like have something that you could go back to and refer to and remember what your habits were during that time. A lot of us think that once you know how to be happy, it's a benchmark for you. And once you know how to be, you're upset, it's another benchmark for you. But what happens is we forget about what we were doing Mm -hmm. during those times when we were happy. What was going on around you when you were happy? What was going on around you when you were upset? Or you felt like there was nowhere to share your, maybe it's your friend circle, maybe it's your job, maybe it's like being able to identify where the pivot is because sometimes we go through life and we're feeling a lot of things, but we don't know where it's coming from mm. at all. And so what I want, you know, this next decade to mean for me is I want to be able to mark the happy times, mark, and always have markers so that if something is going wrong, or something I can always go back and just check it real quick. Absolutely. What were my habits during this time when I was very happy? Oh, it was summer, so that probably had something to do with it. Yeah. And then now when I'm coming back to my day, I'm like, okay, cool. I'm still doing all those things. I'm working out. I'm still eating good. The biggest difference from that time to this time was, you know, it was summer then. And it's a little bit winter now. So I might be feeling a little bit of the, of the, of the, the season blues. Um, I was in this relationship. I was talking to these people a lot during that time. Maybe I should pick up the phone and call that person. Um, and just mapping it out a little bit better. So we're not just playing this game of guessing all the time with our lives and trying to guess where we're feeling. And when someone comes up to you and goes, you don't look good. What's going on? And just having no answers for that but you're clearly not right. You know, I think we struggle with that sometimes when we're clearly not right, but we have no idea where it's coming from and it might show up in lashing out at different things that aren't the problem. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think that we can get a lot more control in. And I want to be able to have, and for all the sport people out there, all the sport guys out there, this is game tape. These journals are game tape. It's game footage of your performance. Yep. So the reason why athletes go back and watch their every move, every position frame by frame, break it down and look at it to be better for the next game. This is game tape for us. Being able to reflect, write your journals down, being able to look at your photos, being able to document all that stuff and have it with you and being intentional about it. I'm mean, Every athlete right now, if you took away game tape, whoo, the adjustments would be rough. So let's not view the journaling and stuff as a chore. Let's view it as game tape. You're just writing down what's going down so that you're able to go back and reference it so that you're, oh yeah, I was, you know, I was open on that slant or mm-hmm. I could have seen that screen and roll a little bit better or... I could have swung earlier on this pitch. These are the adjustments that we want to make to become a better player. And any, any athlete, any like world-renowned athlete that you ask, they are the biggest reflectors of life and they watch themselves intentionally, Mm -hmm. but they have cameras and a sport to watch it through. Let's create our own camera and our own sport. And I think that if journaling is not your thing right now, maybe what it is, is, um, you take photos and you know, you write your stories or just find something to create a reference point for you. um, because I think there is a lot of power in that. And I think there's a lot of power of being able to watch game tape on yourself and show up better the next season.
1: And I like what you're saying. And to put it in like a, a, into an extended context, it's they, the, the sports world watches game tape. But they, in order to do that, they don't play basketball or they don't, they're not playing soccer. Or they're not playing hockey. They're not doing anything. They're simply sitting in a chair and watching something happen. They're very much in a being state. They're watching how they were and who they were in that moment and how they could be better. And that's your journaling. You're, you have to sit and you have to stop and you don't have to slow down in order to progress forward in order to become better. Sure, you could play basketball every single day, all day, 24-7. Sure, you could play soccer 24-7 and do those things and still be great and still do something tangible and feel good about that. But if you don't slow down, and go back and watch yourself for a second and say, oh, I could have done that better Then, where, when are you learning? Where are you learning? Right. And that's where that, like you said, that journaling comes in. It's very much not always about the doing. The doing will probably slow you down and it will impede your progress. So you need to slow down in order to speed up. Definitely. And let me add one
0: more thing to that. Cause you're, you're, you're talking facts right now. When coach Kyle was out kind of talking about his journaling practice, I want you to see two things. One, when he originally started talking about it, he talked about it and I write this down, I write that down, I write this down for myself so I can see myself. What I want to add is I want to also ask the people around me how I'm showing up for them and those kind of things. If you're an athlete and you watch game tape and you just watch yourself, you're going to learn a lot about yourself. But wh- then you got to rewind the tape and watch how everyone else around you is interacting. Amen. And those are the teammates, right? Right. And life is the same thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Once you figure out yourself, and you figure out kind of how you're moving, and what plays you made wrong, and all that kind of stuff, then you watch the game tape and you go, "Okay, what did I communicate to this person right here that that play went wrong?" Let me go find out from that person and start watching the other people around you to make yourself better. Because you being better is not a you just figuring out what you do and coming to the coming to the sport and just you doing you being you and that's going to work. It's you being you and your environment. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a it's a two-headed prong figure yourself out and then figure out your environment around you and figure out how there can be a, like a, a chemistry and it could be um, better woven together so I really hope you guys resonate with that and you can you can stick to that because the first step of this game tape is watching yourself I think the most elevated version of that is now watching how you act within your team
1: So we've been doing a lot of talk about reflection and looking backwards. And it's beautiful to do reflection and to take that time. But it's even more beautiful when you can take that in a very intentional space. Go back and see what you can learn from that space and how you can move forward with everything that you're talking about. So now that we're in 2021, we also want to make sure we talk about moving forward and what the future looks like and what we want to do moving forward. Uh, into this this new space. So 2021 being what is perceived as a new year, even though we're technically still in lockdown and COVID is still a thing and it is still affecting our lives. What goals do you have or what are your intentions for the year? And how do you hope this new year is gonna go for you? And maybe do you have a word of the year?
0: I think for me, the thing that you said about the 2020 is still kind of feeling like 2021 in terms of how it feels the best way I can kind of make sense for it in my mind and I hope this resonates with a lot of people is that you know 2020 was the injury you know it was the we're going back to sports here but 2020 was the injury and I feel like 2021 is the rehab. it's a, it's a step better than being injured because you're starting to work to getting it back you're starting to worry you're back on the court or you're back in your field and you're doing the drills again but you're not playing yeah you're not back at that like euphoric state where you're in competition and you're playing but the rehab section is definitely better than the injury section when you first get injured and you're going through the surgeries and stuff. So to me, 2021 is definitely like the rehab year. Um, and I want to really start working towards a 2020 where, or 2022 where I'm back to playing full strength, full competition. The world is open again. We're back at it, but how we go about this rehab process is really going to dictate how well I play in 2022. Um, so I really want to view it that way. And for me, it's, if it's meant to be, uh, it's up to me it is, is, what I gravitate to, the world is gonna do what it's got to do. So whatever is gonna be destined for me, it's got to come from me. I can't ex- wait for the world to do it for me. I can't wait for somebody to make it happen. Um, all those opportunities are still out there and they're still available, but there's just a more accountability on my end. On if it's meant to be, it's up to me. Mm. Um, and everyone wants to tell you, you know, to be yourself, but sometimes you need some time to. Figure out who you are first. How can I be myself if I don't know myself? And so 2020 really helped me understand that a little bit clearer than I I may have thought before. 2021 to me, my rehab year is about if it's up to me. If it's meant to be, it's up to me. And hopefully 2022, we can get back to playing full strength and compete and be ready and can say that, Hey, we use those two years to really build up the foundation and the strength to really, really dominate and do what I want to do with my life. So mm. that's kind of how I can
1: conceptualize all of that. I like that. I like, it's a good analogy. I appreciate that. Nice. And for me on the flip side, uh, I, you know, I have a lot of, Spaces I want to enter in this year and it's definitely I feel like there's a lot of more motivation and I don't feel in any way shape or form that I wasted 2020 I definitely feel like I took hold and took grasp of a lot of opportunity and now I just want to continue to do that and Amen. it helps to know that I can do it in some of the worst not in the worst sorry one of the some of the challenging times I can I'm capable of that and so now that things are in a way looking a little bit more optimistic and we're able to hopefully see this year year opening back up for me. I don't ever want to forget that every single day. I want to live as fully as possible. And so for me, I have probably many words of the year. I think the biggest one is unconditional love. I want to be loving as unconditionally as possible and really putting that into practice. I think understanding the concept is one thing, but to actually think and feel that way is a whole other one. And I find myself reaching for a lot of the societal and social conditioning thoughts that come up first. And so it's fighting those and making my unconditional love my first thought not my second thought, but at least I'm having that second thought to move forward with. And then as far as obviously the business goes, I obviously hope nothing for the best and I'm going to continue to push forward and just really, really take hold of actually another word that's come to my mind is balance. I think I learned that in 2020 and now it's implementing that in 2020 and one thing that I never want to get caught up in is uh, the doing anymore. I feel like it's important, but I don't want to get caught up in it anymore. If an opportunity comes up where I can be, whether that's with connected with friends or connected with myself, and I feel like that's appropriate, and I'm going to do that. And sometimes that actually does mean doing some work too, but knowing what that looks like for me and really moving forward with that needle. I find that uh, I was starting to create goals for the year and intentions for the year. And I was forgetting about being, I was forgetting about who I want to be this year and who I want to be has to come before who, what do I want to do? Otherwise the doing probably won't come and it won't feel good. Won't feel accomplished or fulfilled or happy by it. So I want to make sure I know exactly who I want to be and continue to move forward with that and elevate that in any way that I can. Preach. Dope. So, to finish up working off of that, then obviously 2020, we mentioned was a big year. What are one or multiple of the biggest lessons that you learned that you're taking with you, probably for the rest of your life, but at least into 2021? Delayed gratification. Mm-hmm. And that was your Wi-Fi password Or wi- Wi-Fi at, time, yeah, right? yeah. at my house The password <laughs> You guys is... changed that right Because I just gave everybody the deeds. Yeah yeah it's okay yeah. Yeah.
2: We, we, we do we, we,
0: we're, we're changing it yearly It's kind of one of those things Where it's a uh, It's a cool thing My roommate started He changed the password To something that we want to think about often So anytime someone comes over They're like What's the Wi-Fi password We yes. have to say it Um so the Wi-Fi password was delayed gratification and the or the connection was delayed gratification and the password was patience. Mm. Um, but we're, we've moved on Love to a new that. one. So if you want to try to get in my Wi-Fi, you can't. Um, <laughs> but for me, it's uh, delayed gratification was a big one. Uh, managing expectations. Mm. And uh, the last one I want to say is um, I had it on the tip of my tongue and I lost it. You, 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 you got at me with the Wi-Fi situation. What is it? It'll come. It'll come. It'll come. It'll come. <laughs> Um, I'll just, I'll stick with those two because it's, it's Beautiful gone fun. now,
1: but. All right. If it comes, if it comes interject, uh, on the flip side, mine, I have a ton, but to bring it into a few, um, I am stronger and more capable than I think M- the most important thing is my mental health and the incredible value and quality of life that comes with self praise. Hmm. I think those are my biggest things that came out. Awesome. Oh yeah. It was, uh, it was, life is fragile. Beautiful. Beautiful. Love that. So normally we leave you with a PQ at the end of the episode, but because this is a bonus, we're going to switch things up a little bit. And we're going to give you a question to think about for the year. We want you to think about moving into 2021. So I want to take a moment. And I want you to imagine it's January 1st, 2022 and you're looking back at this moment, what do you want to be able to say you accomplished or what you overcame or what you're proud of, how fully you lived, what you started, and maybe what you finished? Ask yourself that question today. Look forward at the future you, see what they have to say, and then now ask yourself, how can I do that and be that today? Fellas, 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 thank you for joining us on
0: another episode of the Modern Masculinity Podcast. If you haven't yet, please download, subscribe, leave a review, but most importantly, if you took any value out of this episode or you enjoyed this episode, please post and share with your close family and friends. You
1: can follow us at our online IG account, which is at Modern Masculinity. Make sure the C is a K. Remember, we're trying to represent the mask that men wear, so at Modern Mask. You'll the podcast. You can also follow us on our private socials. Mine is at Coach Kyle Rushton. And mine is Anwar Ahmed four. And uh,
0: any kind of post share that you do helps us kind of build this community one listener at a time. So we appreciate um, all your efforts. And remember, we're here with you. And we are standing tall beside you in this arena of misunderstood masculinity. Until next time.
2: Peace.